This podcast is presented in collaboration with the Audio Production 2 class in the School of Media and Journalism at Arkansas State University. Hi, and welcome to Plot Talk, where we talk about every movie we can find. I'm your host, Ethan Looper, and today I have a guest with me. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. I'm J.D. McCaskill, and I'm here. Today we're talking about the 2002 hit Spider-Man, directed by Sam Raimi, starring Tobey Maguire. The plot of the movie is pretty straightforward. It's going into the origin of Spider-Man, which, interestingly enough, this is one of the first superhero movies to actually be an origin movie. Beforehand, a lot of superhero movies just kind of started in the middle of their already being a superhero. And it really seems like you could tell it from the movie. Like, I was watching it, and they didn't really do anything with, you know, like, building up the characters themselves. They was just like, bam, 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 here. <laughs> Like, the first half of the movie was bam, bam, bam. The second half was bam, 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 but with the action. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm sure there is some superhero movie that didn't do too well that actually did start off as an origin story. But talking about big hits like Blade, Batman 89, there never really was an origin story for a hero in cinema. So we all know the story of Spider-Man. Peter Parker gets bitten by a spider, and he gets superpowers. And doesn't even question the superpowers. Just goes on about his day. Yep. No question about getting bitten by a super spider or anything. Why he's suddenly jacked the next day. I mean, if I suddenly got jacked, I'm not going to really question it. I'm just going to be like, oh, okay, I'm good. I will. (laughs) (laughs) The only question I'll be asking is, how much can I lift? So aside from just suddenly being super ripped, he also finds out that he doesn't need glasses to see anymore. He can climb walls. And interestingly enough, unlike the other two cinematic Spider-Man, he can actually shoot webs from his wrists. And then they get a weird scar-looking thing where it shows in the movie that that's where it's supposed to be from. And I never noticed it until this recent viewing, but it's (laughs) weird-looking. Now, while this is all happening, Norman Osborn is working on a super soldier serum And he ends up testing it on himself, and he goes crazy. And he also gets jacked. I have a weird problem. (laughs) I mean, being honest, he looked pretty jacked before the serum itself. Yeah, but then he picked up that dude and then threw him out the window and stuff like that. That terrified me as a kid, by the way. I wanted to acknowledge that. (laughs) Honestly, that was a lot more intense than I expected it to be from a 2002 superhero movie. Mm -hmm. Definitely one that's supposed to be PG-13. Yeah. So the next day, Peter's going through his normal everyday routine at school, and it comes lunchtime, and he actually manages to catch MJ while she slips over OJ. Uh, And that scene, what plays out is Peter catches her, the tray, and all the stuff what falls down, and, you know, it was all done uh, in person through Toby, and so it took, what would you say, 37, 34 takes? I think so. Yeah, it, it took a lot, but they did it all practically with a special glue for the uh, occasion. So after just sitting there being awkward, MJ walks away and Peter sits back down where he accidentally webs someone else's tray. Don't know why no one else was sitting there. He, just the tray was sitting there by itself full of food. I didn't even notice that. Why was that tray sitting there? Maybe they had to go to the bathroom? Huh. But anyway, he... Trying to get rid of the web instead of, you know, using the fork he has, trying to cut it. He just 
yanks it back, and it hits Flash in the back of the head. And then that starts, of course, Peter running away with a tray following behind him and Webb. It was pretty funny as a kid. It is interesting to think that no one ever made that connection, though. Oh, yeah. They were just like, huh, the weirdo Peter Parker has some kind of ropey thing coming out of his hand, and the tray stuck to him. And Okay, granted, that was a couple months later. Yeah, that was another thing I was always thinking. Like, none of this plot made sense on time because they jumped every other cut. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> like, I don't know where it's supposed to start in the school year. It's safe to assume spring, at least. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the movie, they're graduated and not even, like, living on their own, which they never explain. Uh, you could tell it was the start of an Orchard movie. It wasn't even, like, the end where they graduated. It wasn't even, like, halfway through, I don't think. No, it was, like, 20 minutes in. <laughs> it was the first... It was right after the first time Green Goblin killed somebody. I just realized that. Second time, technically. Because I just remembered the bald guy. But... Yeah, they did do a pretty good uh, way of jumping back and forth between yeah. Green Goblin and Peter. So, I do like that. And they also love themselves some jump scares. Oh, yes. Thanks, Evil Dead director. We appreciate you. We can't wait to see what you do as Doctor Strange. going to be very interesting to see. Now, the other part of Spider-Man's origin story, which a lot of people know about, is good old Uncle Ben and him dying. In every single iteration of every single Spider-Man. He just never catches a break. <laughs> the only time he's caught a break is when he became Spider-Man. And we don't like to talk about that one. But it was a pretty emotional scene, what they did very well, and even to this day, we were both tearing up to it, and it's just, it's a it's a great scene. One thing that always bothers me about it is that I see so many people make jokes about how he cries. Have you ever seen anyone not look ugly while they're crying? Yes, Jensen Ackles. Okay, seriously crying, though. I don't know, I've never seen Jensen Ackles seriously cry. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> is that in real life, you never see someone, like... Doing that Captain America single tear down the down the cheek thing, but people like to make fun of Tobey Maguire for crying. I mean, how would you feel if the father figure in your life? Okay, imagine if you had your own Uncle Ben, and the last thing you said to him was "Stop trying to be my father," and then you let his killer go, and then he gets shot, and you watch him die. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know how heartless you guys are, but that's gonna that's gonna bring a tear or two. Yeah, definitely with, you know, I was thinking in the moment, I'm like, man, this is a kind of an ugly crying, but that just added more to the scene. I, I just felt the emotions a little bit better during it, you know, the, the, it came across like they were supposed to, and I, I think it was just a beautiful scene. Yeah. And another thing I liked about during that whole sequence, uh, after Peter chases down the killer, is that he doesn't try to save the guy that killed Uncle Ben. Because in my head, when I watched it as a kid, I was like, oh, he obviously tried to save him. But no, he just watched him fall over. That also might be why Jameson doesn't really like Spider-Man either. Because they probably connected that, hey, Amazing Spider-Man could have stopped him sooner. Mm -hmm. Didn't. And then the same guy shows up here and lets him die. And then, you know, he also, during the first you know, the fight thing through it, he's way uh, underneath his powers. And he just straight up punches through... A, uh, a car roof to grab the dude's face. And so it it shows that Peter's not entirely in control over his powers, and that it was another scene that I think they just played beautifully. I think Sam Raimi did a really good job showing 
an origin for somebody who just randomly gets powers, yeah. even though he doesn't question it. <laughs> so next, what happens is they go to the, what was it, World... Oh, crap, it's slipping my mind. World Unity Parade. Yeah, it was a parade what was combining a lot of different cultures together, and yeah, that, that's all I got from it. <laughs> yeah. And something else to note is that movies are very terrible at choosing who they think is going to be successful for a long time. Because I can't remember hearing any of that artist's songs aside from that one she sung in Spider-Man. And even then, I don't remember the song that we're singing. <laughs> I don't even remember the name. Yeah, but the fight scene takes place as normal, you know, it's a parade, Peter's there taking pictures, and then the Green Goblin shows up after Peter finds out about Harry and Mary Jane now dating. Yeah. And it's the first full, it's the first time we get to see Spider-Man actually in action, because the first time we see him in the full suit is him just kind of stopping random small crimes. Interesting thing about that is that a lot of people speculate that there's that his big reveal that was supposed to happen, like it happens in every origin story now, uh, was that he was going to stop this bank robbery by trapping them, trapping them in a helicopter in a web. Unfortunately, and you could find this trailer online, but unfortunately, where the web was was between the Twin Towers. So, they had to cut that out. And... We actually saw the Twin Towers in Spider-Man's eyes for a split second in the movie. But because of that, because they were not able to show it, they had to cut it out, and so they chopped it down a lot more. So the first time you do see the action is at the parade, and most people claim it as one of their favorite fight scenes because it is just choreographed beautifully, um, except that kid who just keeps on standing there at the giant world about to fall on him because Green Goblin's a butthole. <laughs> yeah. That's one way to phrase it, yeah. He is, in fact, a butthole. He's an insane butthole. Uh, it is really cool to see these actual suits there because, I don't know about you, but I'm so used to the Iron Man suit and even the Spider-Man suit in the MCU that's not actually there whenever they actually do action. And it, it is nice to see actual, the actual suit itself. Yeah, when practicality it, is always better than CGI, if you yeah. it's done right. Oh, yeah. But it is pretty corny, too, with some of the lines. Especially when Green Goblin gets defeated going, We'll meet again, Spider-Man! And it's just like, oh, okay. I'm sorry, I don't know, like, yeah, that's corny, but that's still <laughs> my favorite line in the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not... With great power comes great responsibility. No, it's we'll meet again, Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, William Defoe's amazing. He's such a, he's so fun to watch in these kinds of movies. He plays insane very well. Oh yeah, that mirror scene. I think before the whole parade scene, uh, William Defoe is doing a monologue with himself, with the crazy version of himself. And as a kid, I always thought they just cut it perfectly, but the entire time. It looks like William Defoe is just switching between the two voices and the two crazies. It's it takes a lot of talent to be able to do that. Oh yeah, it's he's really good at being insane. I would actually like to see him try to do a Joker. Oh yeah, that would be really cool to see. Uh, Definitely with some of the laughs that he got from the Goblin, I'm pretty sure he could cha channel 
some Mark Hamill and get a good Joker laugh. Oh, yeah. So, being Spider-Man for so long, he ends up actually losing his job with Dr. Connors, which is actually really interesting that they've been setting up the Lizard since the first movie. Which is really interesting to see, even before, you know, the whole cinematic universe thing was a really as popular as it is now. I don't know if they were setting it up, but they were definitely making nods to it, and then decided to play it off towards the end. And it's, it is weird, because I think Dr. Connors shows up in either the second or third Spider-Man movie, and just kind of stays at state point, but they don't ever mention that again, so. Yeah. It's the only reason I would think that it was not planned, just kind of a nod. I think they did plan it for Spider-Man 4, because that was... I think it was completely written, and then Sony was like, eh, we're not going to do it. Yeah, I think Tobey Maguire like, hurt his back or something, and then was unable to do it for a little while, and then Sony canceled out because of that. It just, it was bad for that movie. I mean, I could imagine, you know, your back hurting, because Spider-Man does carry Marvel. Yeah, Spider-Man carries the, yeah. I mean, it is my favorite character. That's why I'm here. <laughs> I think it's most people's favorite comic book character. It's Spider-Man, Superman, or Batman. It's always one of those three. Mm-hmm. It's just the three big names. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but after being Spider-Man for so long, he ends up losing his job with Dr. Connors. And of course, being the nice guy he is, Norman Osborn asks if he wants to work for him. But then uh, P- Peter sees a newspaper looking for pictures of Spider-Man... So he goes to the Daily Bugle, where we meet the best character, J. Jonah Jameson. Who is staying J. Jonah Jameson until, I guess, that actor passes away, because he's an amazing actor. <laughs> he plays J. Jonah very well. Mm-hmm. So J. Jonah Jameson is just a delightful character, super fun. You could tell uh, J.K. Simmons is having such a blast playing him. And Stan Lee did say Jan- J. Jonah Jameson would be Stan Lee if, uh, you know, Stan Lee was mad all the time. So, like, that and then him passing it on to, like, J. Jonah Jameson is his, uh, is J.K. Simmons. Like, that's the perfect thing in Recipe Stan Lee's eyes. It's just awesome that he's stayed in that character since this movie all the way up into the MCU. It's, it's just made my child heart you know beat with joy (laughs) and of course jay jonah is very hard on peter but it does even in the first movie it does seem like he is putting up a front because you can even see the guy that works with jay jonah tell peter to wait after jay jonah told him to get out and then it goes even a couple steps farther whenever the green goblin comes after jay jonah jameson and is trying to figure out who is taking pictures of spider-man and even though Peter just walked out the door, J- Jonah Jameson just says, Oh, I don't know. They come in the mail. Like a true person would. <laughs> so, it's really good to see that J. Jonah Jameson, it is, there is a moral sense to it. It's not just, oh, he hates Spider-Man just for the sake of hating Spider-Man. It is, he hates him because of mask vigilanteism, but he's at the same time not going to rat out anyone that w- helps him. Yeah. Um... I think most of his beef with Spider-Man starts just because of publicity. Because in the scene where uh, Spider-Man, Peter Parker is selling the pictures of Spider-Man, uh, the only reason why he buys them is because all of the paperwork, uh, all of the papers with Spider-Man sold out. So he's like, "Oh, this this prints money." So I think that 
it was a little scenes that they like just dialogue in there what they threw in just to make the movie work a little bit better yeah and i know this has nothing to do with this particular movie but in spider-man 2 there are two scenes i love with J. Jonah jameson but the first one is them trying to come up with a name for doc ock and they keep going through like like one of them goes dr octopus it's like no that's crap dr strange that's good yeah, but it's copyrighted <laughs> and the other one is once Spider-Man, oh, spoilers for Spider-Man 2, because I'm sure someone out there hasn't seen it, even though it's arguably the best comic book movie of all time, and you should go see it. Uh, there's a scene after Spider-Man is no longer Spider-Man, where J. Jonah Jameson has to sue, and he's dressed up in it, pretending to shoot webs. It's in the extended version, and it is hilarious. So after the attack on the Daily Bugle, uh, Green Goblin kidnaps Spider-Man and asks him to join him, interestingly enough, which is something I honestly didn't expect when I first saw it, you know what I mean? I don't know, I don't remember when I first saw it, I just know it was, like, it was a weird scene, even seeing it now, it's just, it's kind of out there, like, there's no reason he's a hero, why would you, what? It, it is a weird choice, uh, maybe it was that he is the only one that could stop him, and he's like, well, if he could stop me, imagine what we could do together. Yeah, uh, I mean, he, whenever William Defoe is, again, talking to the unconscious uh, Peter, uh, it's another monologue, which William kind of does pretty well, and it's setting up, you know, people are going to turn against the superheroes, etc., etc., and uh, that actually sets up the next scene, where, uh, because of J. Jonah Jameson being there, and Spider-Man saving Green Goblin, uh, from saving him from the Green Goblin, uh, it starts up the next scene, so it gives more weight to him trying to help uh, by, you know, just trying to be a little bit supportive and, you know, actually giving him a heads up what's going on. Yeah, uh, it, it is interesting to see him really try to get him to join him, even after, you know, he almost blank, like point blank tells him, I'm not going to join you. He still tries to get him to join him. And then we get to the fire scene. Well, there, there's a question beforehand, and I've always been debating this. He was unconscious, laying on the roof, until he woke up, and Green Goblin never thought to unmask him. It comes out later that they figure out identities, yeah, whatever. But in that scene, it would have been the perfect moment. <laughs> I think with him... It it didn't really matter who was under the mask. Uh, I think a good example of another version of this is Batman and Joker, where Joker does not care about who's under the Batman mask. In fact, there are comics where once Batman is revealed to be who he is, Joker actually goes sane because it's no longer fun. So maybe it has something like along those lines, because I'm pretty sure the Green Goblin is essentially the Joker for Spider-Man. Yeah. Like, he's... Probably the most insane villain he has to go up against normally. He he did kill Mary Jane in one of the cartoons. And he has all these different variations and iterations of him throughout the years. Of him getting crazier, getting bigger, getting like demonic, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, you're right. Green Goblin probably is the Joker of the... <laughs> There's the movie version where it's him just being insane in a normal suit. I, I know there's a version where he's... Actually, a goblin. Yo, yeah, he's a giant, uh, freaking beast in a lot of them yeah. as well. But 
I'm I'm just assuming that's why he was never really like, hey, I want to know who's under the mask. It's just that once he found out, that was like, oh, this is going to be very much easier to get him to try to join. Yeah. But at the very least, make him pay for saying no to me. No one says (laughs) no to me. I'm rich. Uh, Anyway, we get to the fire scene where, of course, there's a fire going on. Hence the the name I gave it. And don't facepalm at me. And we see this woman freaking out about her baby still being in the fire. So Spider-Man goes through a window, an explosion happens, and he jumps out with the baby. Now, before he jumps back in there, there was cops who show up to catch them, which goes back on the J. Jonah Jameson thing of how the people of New York were apparently turning on Spider-Man. Yeah, you see the cop try to put him under arrest, but then whenever you hear someone scream, the cop actually just goes, okay, you know what, go get them. I'm going to arrest you when you get back, but go save them. And then Spider-Man says, sir, I'm not coming back, and jumps up and saves them. (laughs) Yeah. And the cop, even after that, he's just like, okay, yeah, go, go, go. Which I I think that's really nice to see, is that it wasn't like one of those, oh, I don't care what happens, I just have to arrest you and there's nothing else to it kind of thing. Yeah, it shows that, you know, the police were still doing their job. They know that the per- best person on the uh, available was there, so... It shows Spider-Man's, you know, can get along with the cops as long as they meet him in person. Yeah. Uh, and then, it, I believe it's your favorite fight scene, isn't it? Yes, so... Do I have permission to talk about go this? Go ahead. Okay, now I'm gonna go on a rant. In this fight scene, Spider-Man jumps back in through the uh, burning window, and he's looking around, and... In the scene, he kind of looks through the fire and sees somebody with a cloth draped over and hears yelling. So he's yelling back, you know, you're seeing the intensity of the fire, stuff like that. And then he gets to the lady and boom, Green Goblin. Which starts the awesome fight scene where they're fighting in a burnt down building beating the crap out of each other with these weird blades swirling around, like these Green Goblin gadgets, what looks like the pumpkin bombs, but two blades spin out. And it looks like they were kind of little drone things because they kept on coming back towards Green Goblin, kept on flying around everywhere. And that scene was so iconic to childhood JD that my earliest memories were in kindergarten playing... That same scene is happened with me as Spider-Man and one of my friends as Green Goblin throwing paper plates at each other to try replicating that scene. It was so iconic watching it again as an adult because I haven't watched this movie since I was young. Just, oh man, it's still my favorite fight scene. Uh, it is a really unique fight scene too because you never really get to see people fighting in a fire, which, you know, obvious safety reasons. But it is really cool to see not only them having to fight with each other or having to watch out for what each other can do, they also have to watch out for what's going on around them, you know? That's something that you don't get to see that often, I think. Especially in superhero films. Especially nowadays. That and then the um, the destruction of the building allowed them to throw each other through the walls with the stuff like that. It's a very immersive but dangerous fight. <laughs> you got anything else to add about that? I'm just going to let you keep going. No, I think I covered my part. All right. <laughs> I, I gushed for a little bit there. I think I'm good. All right. So what we get into next is uh, the Green Goblin ends up finding out who Peter Parker... He finds out who Peter Parker is Spider-Man. 
And he finds this out because Peter didn't even think about putting on a couple of band-aids on the cut or anything. Yeah, in the fight scene, he gets a cut, and it's on his left arm from one of the boomerang bomb things. Um, and so it starts bleeding whenever they go for Thanksgiving dinner. And this is why I say the timeline of this movie is really inconsistent. Because at the beginning of this movie, it wasn't even graduation. So, why are they now celebrating Thanksgiving? <laughs> uh, it is it is weird to see how much they jump. I, I, think, I think we're just spoiled with a lot of nowadays movies. It's amazing if it lasts a week. Yeah, good point. Where, well, honestly, a lot of old movies, even old superhero movies, they do tend to, like, okay, this all happened, like, a three-day time span. I'm gonna be honest, I've been watching the MCU for, what, 26 movies now? I I don't remember old movies very well. <laughs> <laughs> Completely fair. Uh, but, anyway, at Thanksgiving, he finds out that Spider-Man's Peter Parker and all this. So, later that night, I think, who knows, it could be a couple months later, but he attacks uh, Aunt May. And that scene... Aunt May in the hospital afterwards screaming about those yellow eyes from the Green Goblin and Peter rushing in to check up on her and everything. That scene, even now, is still terrifying because I don't remember the actress for Aunt May, but her screams are, like, sound legit. Yeah. It, I don't know why that scene always horrified me every time I watched it as a kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, the scene where he burst into the room always scared me, too, but I don't know what it was about her being in the hospital screaming like that. It just shook me, I guess. Yeah, it's like the shock of that instance lasted the entire time, and even now as an adult, and I understand that shock's not supposed to last that long. It's still weird. Yeah. So, after M.A. thankfully survives, good, which is good. It would suck for both of the, both of his aunt and uncle to die in the same movie. Yeah, and I would have missed a very good scene from uh, Spider-Man Two, but yeah, we talked enough about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Nonsense! You can never talk enough about Spider-Man Two. Anyway, uh, after that whole scene, uh, Green Goblin actually goes and kidnaps uh, Mary Jane, but not before another jump scare with the Green Goblin seemingly in a parking lot. I have no idea. Like, I, I guess that was, like, a dream Peter was having, and it was just, hey, guess what? Green Goblin's here. Yeah, it jump scares a switch into Peter Parker waking up with Aunt May and her telling Peter to go home and get some rest, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, everybody knows you love Mary Jane, because that's how the conversation and it shows one of the smartest moments in a C, uh, in a TV thing that Green Goblin's going after Spider-Man's love life. Hey, everybody knows you love Mary Jane and not talking about it nothing. Peter just stands up and runs. He knows yeah. what's going on. Uh to add more to that. Uh I told you this earlier, but it is really interesting to see someone that the superhero cares about that isn't just a love interest, you know? Like, even Batman, like, the Keaton Batman movies had this thing, too, where only his love interests were ever in danger. Not his butler. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Alfred does kick the crap out of Superman, so... Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> it's really interesting to see that 
it wasn't Mary Jane he first went with. He went for the immediate family. The one that would honestly hurt a lot more than losing Mary Jane. Because, yeah, he loves her. But at the same time, though, that's her. That's his mother figure. That's going to hurt a lot more. You also got to think, Norman Osborn knew that Uncle Ben died. So he was really cutting deep right there. <laughs> yeah. And you see him cut deep later, but we'll get to that when we get to that. But... Uh, Peter goes to call Mary Jane, and at first it's just the answering machine, and he's like, "Hey, be safe. Don't go any. Don't go down any dark alleys or anything like that." And then suddenly, uh, some sound comes from the other end. He's like, "Hey, Mary Jane, are you okay?" And then Norman Osborn just goes, "Can you come out to pl- or can Spider Man come out to play?" And I, again, Green Goblin voice creepy, but hearing that come over the phone, oh, just that Green Goblin's terrifying in this movie. <laughs> uh. So we get to the, probably one of the biggest, most well-known scenes from the movie where Green Goblin has a trolley of kids in one hand and Mary Jane in the other hand, and he force, he's forcing Spider-Man to choose who to save. And for an origin movie, just to describe these characters and their powers, that scene shows a lot about both of the characters' strength, because they are literally holding, holding a trolley full of people up with just one of their arms. So it really gives a weight behind their superpowers. And one scene I really liked is whenever, you know, Mary Jane's climbing down the rope and Green Goblin comes up and punches him and he actually lets go of it for a second. He swings back and barely manages to grab it again. That's a really cool scene, too. There's a lot of really cool scenes in this movie. You can definitely tell why it's heralded as one of the best comic book movies. Like, just the same Raimi trilogy for Spider-Man as the uh, third one. But it's pretty good, decent, and they went out swinging with the first one. Oh, yeah. Uh, I actually remember seeing someone talk about their experience watching the trilogy for the first time. And after watching the first one, they said, I don't see how this can be improved at all. And then they watched the second one, they're like, I was mistaken. And then they saw the third one, and they're like, Oh, it was a studio mess, okay. Yeah. But that's another topic for another time. But, thankfully he manages to, Spider-Man manages to save the kids and Mary Jane. He lowers the trolley onto a boat. And we get another instance where 9-11 had an effect on this movie where Green Goblin's about to attack Spider-Man again before he can save him. And then a bunch of New Yorkers start throwing things at the Green Goblin. And they're saying things like, uh... You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us, you don't mess with New York, and it is really interesting to think about how much something like that has an effect on movies, like, even just changes like that. Yeah, it's one of those moments where, you know, after that tragic event and stuff like that, just people really needed to see something as New York coming together, and I guess they decided that that was a good way to you know, pay a, a homage to it. And it, yeah. it was one of my scenes, what I remember from a kid just sticking with me, just because, yeah, you mess with Spider-Man, you mess with all of us. Yeah. Like, when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, you don't mess with Spider-Man, but now that I'm able to reflect on everything that happened, because when you're a kid, you don't really, even when if you're told about 9-11, you don't really understand. Yeah. But being able to reflect on it, it actually does kind of give me goosebumps watching it, and that's also why the Sam Raimi trilogy loves ending with Spider-Man posing in front of an American flag, too. Mm-hmm. And 
It's just a really interesting thing to watch. But after he manages to save the kids, Green Goblin actually ties some kind of cable, gets some kind of cable around his waist and flings him into like some desolate building where he crashes through a bunch of walls and then takes a grenade to the face. Yeah, that was that ending is one of the most brutal beat-ups of Spider-Man, I think, in cinema right now. Like, uh, yeah. just all of the live-action movies, you rarely see him get beaten down. And the only thing what saves the day is, of course, don't go after the superhero's family. Yeah. Uh, one interesting thing to talk about is... Whenever Green Goblin is just beating the crap out of Spider-Man, there's a to- there's a part where Spider-Man gets punched in the face and you see spit flying out. And interestingly enough, this movie's PG-13, and if they kept the original, which was blood coming out of his mouth, it actually would have ended up being an R-rated movie. So that's really interesting to also think about, because you see, I see a lot of people talking about how, oh, it's super corny, it's, it, like, they point out the corniest scenes and stuff like that, it's like, do you not remember Peter getting a grenade to the face, getting the absolute crap kicked out of him? It wasn't like, oh, it's your typical fight scene. He's getting beaten down hard. Every single instance of him trying to get away or trying to do something else, the goblin was just right there stopping him. It, it, it is a weird scene as a fan of Spider-Man to enjoy, but he, he's literally just getting his butt kicked. Yeah. And then, of course, Green Goblin makes the mistake of threatening uh, Mary Jane again after he d- he's done killing Spider-Man. And that gives Peter the drive he needs to actually beat the Green Goblin. No, he... I don't know what that device he had was, though. I... Was it like a lance kind of thing? or I have no it's idea. It's spark, looked... too. Yeah. It looked like a trident. Maybe, I don't know. He has yeah. a lot of weird technology they never explain. <laughs> I mean, it's not ultimately important. Yeah, well, I mean, that grenade with literally disintegrated people down to skeletons might be important. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's some... That's an Avengers-level threat right there. <laughs> oh, that's a fun quote. Anyway. I'm sorry, I have to quote my actual favorite Spider-Man movie. Far From Home's my favorite. <laughs> uh, but Spider-Man ends up returning the favor and kicking the crap out of the Green Goblin. Ends up dropping a wall on him. And then... Uh, Norman Osborn actually tries to play into Peter's niceness by trying to act like, oh, I never did any of this. It was the Ring Goblin. He was doing this. It wasn't really me. And he tries in the moment to say um, that, you know, I've been like a father to you, Peter. Uh, we never really got much of those scenes in this movie. Uh, we I, got him trying, but not much I else. I say, you do see him, you can tell he's a lot more proud of what Peter's done than his own son. Yeah. And he does even offer to give Peter a job at Oscorp, which is probably, a, honestly, a really sought-after sought position. I've always taken that as more of Osborne, just knowing Peter was smart and just said, yeah. oh yeah, good employee. Yeah. It is interesting to think, though, that he was going to hire someone who just graduated from high school, has probably not even started college yet. And he's like, okay, yeah, no, you can join. You're friends with my son. Yeah, that's one of the things... Uh, didn't necessarily like about this movie is they don't show Peter's intelligence like they should. He's able to, you know, create his own gadgets, able to figure out stuff in heat of the moment, but in this one it was just kind of, you know, he just was adapting to his powers and just was going through life. I am trying to think if he he is shown to be smart in the second one at least. Oh yeah. He's 
shown to be really smart. He's shown to know how to try to handle a lot of the issues that come up. Of course, the famous train scene. Mm-hmm. And then in the third one, I think he's going through college and is, like, passing college and, like, answering all the questions. So they do it by the end of the trilogy, but uh, this first one, they kind of they kind of lacked. Yeah. If we review, if we do the second one, I feel like we're just going to do nothing but gush over it. Yeah, no, we're going to talk about the second one, more than likely. Yeah. Like, we're just going to be like, it was a great movie, go see it, go see it, go see it, over and over again. Uh, but as a starting origin story especially compared to a lot of superhero films nowadays, I really enjoy it, especially because it feels like it's its own movie. Oh, yeah. And it stood on its own, and it holds up even to today. Yeah. That is one of the criticisms I have for the MCU, in all honesty, is that a lot of the movies, you do kind of need previous uh, knowledge of the movies, of the other movies to go into. Which, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, it's like a TV show. It's like, that'd be great. If I didn't need to pay movie ticket prices for it to go see it. Or maybe with Disney Plus, we won't need to anymore, but you never know. Yeah. Then again, with Mulan, they try to do the whole, hey, pay us 30 bucks to see it three months in advance thing, so I'm not going to hold my breath. Yeah. So, uh, any closing thoughts? Um, my closing thoughts was this movie, uh, even though it was made in 2002, Still stands up to this day. Tobey Maguire is still an amazing actor. He portrays the things well. Of course, we've already gushed over William Dafoe, but Sam Raimi, all of the cast, they pulled it together. They made a great movie, what stands the test of time. And, I mean, I'm still gushing over it however many years later, and it's the thing what created my personality. So, <laughs> uh, Spider-Man 2002 for me is like this... I'm not going to say it's perfect. There are things that, you know, we have criticized about it. Uh, but it is a really well done movie. It's super... It's super well done. Especially for, at the time, while superhero movies were somewhat considered still good, it was still during that age of it not being that serious. So it is really interesting to think about. I believe that is everything we have for today. So thank you for joining us. This has been Plot Talk, and I will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.